in what world? <laughs> even if you even if you're smashed, do you go, do you know what? I'm gonna fucking buy a car. What's up, witches? Hi, I'm Claudia. And I'm Jess. And welcome to True Crime Coven. Hey Jess, how are you? Hey, Claudia, I'm okay. How are you feeling now? After. I feel absolutely fine. I've still technically got COVID, which is why we're still recording from two different locations. Yeah, I saw your test and it is literally the faintest line. It's ridiculous. I know. It's so faint, but it is there. Mm. So I'm still not leaving the house. Yeah, fair enough. Which is very annoying because we're going to a festival on Thursday and I'm, I'm going to be able to go. Like, it's honestly oh, yeah. so faint. It's practically non- not there, but it is just there. Like, you've got to... It's harder to see in a photo, obviously, but you yeah. can slightly see it in a photo. It's like squint. Yeah. But yeah, so we need to go shopping just to get like some crisps and like alcohol and stuff. And we're like <laughs> going to have to go tomorrow, the night before it. Yeah, which <laughs> you don't want to be doing, annoying. you want to be prepared. Yeah, it's just a bit like, it feels very last minute, but yeah. hey, I'm not hey, going to complain. The fact that I had COVID means that we're actually able to record this week. Yeah. So we didn't have to really rush cram everything in yeah do you remember Um, when we had like two months three months worth of episodes pre-recorded and then life happened (laughs) oh god yeah literally i think we did that and then you got covid and then i got covid and then that was it our episodes were gone yeah it's just like so we need to get back to that but anyway yeah i know we've been putting out a few outtakes and like thank you simon for doing them but we that's not what we want to be doing we want to be doing the podcast so fingers crossed hopefully you won't get another outtakes until maybe jess has a baby (laughs) yeah (laughs) which is october October, so and even then we'll try and get a couple of like we're trying to get ahead of ourselves so we've still got we're trying to get our shit back together (laughs) but we've had a few curveballs with you know sad things happening and then few good curveballs as well but just you know life be life in life be life in and we be living it we be living it um also i'm hoping my audio sounds better this week i've found some better headphones yeah jess was like texting me like i'm leaving now to come to yours and i was like no 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 i'm not because <laughs> i don't we we often don't think to actually communicate with each other about things yeah, we assume we each like, on the same page at, at some point normally we like set a day and then on the day we are like what time? Uh, yeah, set a time. <laughs> and then we've kind of got a gist of who's doing what? an episode this week. <laughs> but, like, yeah. Normally you've got about two weeks to prepare an episode, but yeah. we might have to do a few more. Well, <laughs> I guess I should just get into today's case because it is a true yeah. crime week. And so, Let's Jess, if I say the Ericsson twins, does that mean anything to you? Do you know what? It rings a bell, but... I- not i wouldn't know enough to be able to be like uh uh-huh yeah yeah well it's quite a famous case but um Um, yeah weirdly it passed me by until maybe last year maybe the year before which really stunned mikey um he was like what you've not heard of this case because i started telling him about it because it's so like weird yeah he was like yeah yeah did you not hear of that case did you not see it and all this and i was like no so it's one of those things that just managed to pass me by but i did wonder if maybe you hadn't been quite so ignorant. Yeah, I feel like I've definitely heard the names, but I think as well, because the twins, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah twins yeah. always take people by surprise. So yeah. when I say it's a bit of a roller coaster of this case, it, it is. Like, I know we've covered some roller coaster cases. In fact, most. Most, I mean, 
I feel like that's what makes them interesting, though, is the fact that they are roller coasters. Yeah, of course. But this is a bit next level. Mm. Okay. So today we're going to cover the strange case of the Ericsson twins, Sabina and Ursula Ericsson. And I'm going to try and not say Sabrina, which is what I really want to say <laughs> every time. I'm yeah. a 90s child. I grew up with Sabrina and the Teenage yeah. Witch. Like... There's some great, there's some good names though. Sabina and Ursula. Yeah, they're, um, yeah. No, I mean, they're very Swedish names, aren't they? Yeah, they are. So trigger warnings, I would say, obviously, everything is going to cover a murder, but I would say mostly we talk about mental health. Okay. It's going to be the main trigger warning. And then we do talk a little bit about people's poor injuries. I don't think that's a particular trigger warning, but it's just, I'm just putting it out there. Make everyone safe. So if you're not in a place to listen to anything like that this week, no worries, we'll catch you next time. Look after yourselves. So, Sabina and Ursula Eriksson were identical twin sisters who were born in Sweden on November 3rd, 1967. They grew up in the Sun Municipality in Varmland County and were the youngest children, having both an older sister named Mona and an older brother named Bjorn. And from all accounts, their childhood was pretty normal, quite unremarkable. Both twins would leave their home country of Sweden and by the year 2000, Ursula was living in the United States while Sabina resided in County Cork, Ireland and was married with two children of her own. And our story today takes place in May 2008, beginning on Friday the 16th of May actually, when Ursula flew over from the States to visit her twin Sabina in Ireland. Once there, the two immediately began their strange behaviour and without telling anyone, including Sabina's husband and children, both left Ireland and headed for Liverpool in the north of England, likely by ferry. And I think they left at like 2am. That's very strange. It was very Did middle anything of the night. lead up to this strange behaviour? We'll get to that a little bit, time? but it's, okay. it's... Yeah. Okay. They arrived at 8.30am on Saturday 17th of May and made a beeline straight to St Anne Street Police Station where they reported that they were concerned about Sabina's two children. Soon it would transpire that Sabina had actually had an argument with her husband the previous night. Hence maybe the leaving at 2am. The police learned this once they got in contact with the police in Dublin. But I'm not a mum. You're about to be, so maybe you can give me a bit more insight. (laughs) Um, I mean, technically you're a mum. But I think most mums, if they were really concerned, like if they had a fight with their child's father and were then concerned about their children's safety, if they were really concerned, they'd leave with the children. Yeah, you wouldn't leave your kids with... I understand if you're concerned about your own safety. Yeah. And maybe you're like, he probably won't hurt the kids, but he's going to hurt me. But if you think that he's going to hurt you and the children, then even if you, yeah, think, you would take the kids with you. I mean, even if you think that he's only going to hurt you, I feel like most people have this thing of like, I'm not going to leave my children with someone like that. Yeah. This isn't yeah. me calling out anyone who's ever had to flee from an abusive situation and hasn't been able to take their children or something i'm not victim blaming but i'm just sort of thinking what particularly people would do if they can what would i do if they could if you can't logistically take your kids you can only get yourself out and then that can help you get the kids out it's whatever anyway a welfare check was carried out and the children were found to be absolutely fine and so the twins left to board a national express coach to london at 11 30 a.m where their strange behavior continued Sabina and Ursula apparently refused to put their bags into the storage compartment, like, you know, under the coach. Yes. Now, from footage, you can see that they have one large rucksack and a duffel bag, at least. I don't know if they've got, like, anything else. 
So the things that are going to... They're not like suitcases that you necessarily have to put underneath. Like, to be fair, you might not. But the rucksack... A duffel bag would be in the way. To be honest with you, the size of the duffel bag is something I probably wouldn't put underneath. I would put in the overhead. Mm -hmm. But the rucksack is sort of like um, a hiking one. Oh, okay. So it's like something not just you, a no, rocksack. Like it's something like you would a take camping. Rocksack. Higher than your head, lower than your bum. Not kind of that thing. big, but big enough. Like in between. Yeah. Um, so like maybe yeah. like a bike rucksack. Something that's going to take up all your leg room and maybe not fit in the overhead storage. Or if it does, be a little bit like selfish to put up there. Like a bit inconsiderate. And I, th- Yeah. And the fact that both of them have that, there's definitely not going to be enough space. By no, exactly. The staff then tried to take the bags from them and both women became angry and enraged. So I think they were just like, okay, fine. Ooh. Keep your bags. <laughs> I think it's, it's not worth the fire. Yeah. Like it's not the end of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. They eventually got on the coach. However, just an hour in, the women told the driver that they weren't feeling well. And again, I've said before that I take a lot of coaches. I said this in episode 15, mm. where we covered the Greyhound bus beheading <laughs> of Timothy McLean. Check that out if you haven't yeah. already. Another... It's a very good, very good story. Sad. Like, awful story, <laughs> yeah, oh, but like, horrific, whoa. But a good... But, I yeah. mean, I take a lot of coaches. I counted recently, and since yeah. December, I've taken 16 coaches. <laughs> you do go to I do, London I do. a lot, though. To visit yeah. family. And London's not a nice place to drive to. So and it's I wouldn't cheaper. ever drive to London. But yeah. not once have I oh, ever yeah. seen anyone speak to the driver whilst they're driving the bus. And it's like a massive no-no. I mean, I guess if you were like really Yeah, Ill, but that's what I mean. And you were like, I need to get off this bus. Like, yeah. you would. Or if something was happening, like say someone was like, I don't know, having a seizure, like that kind of level of illness, you would go up to the driver and be like, we need to pull yeah. this over and get an ambulance now. But yeah, no, I feel like I think... Well, that's the thing. I've seen people be sick on coaches. I felt unwell on coaches myself because I suffer from travel sickness. And Mm. to me, it's just like so extreme to bother the driver. I mean, in the UK in general, it's sort of like a no-no to bother like bus drivers when they're driving. I don't know about other coaches, but like in the UK, it's very much like, sorry, driver. (laughs) So it's not surprising then maybe that the bus driver stopped at Keel Services, despite it not being a scheduled rest stop. Now, I'm unsure if people thought that, you know, because someone disturbed him, they must be really unwell and they needed help. Or if this was because yeah. the women were continuously disturbing him, maybe. I'm not sure if they were, but he stopped and he didn't like the women's behaviour anyway before they got on the coach and drew him. So Sabina and Ursula got off the coach and the driver noticed the twins clutching their bags tightly. And with them refusing to store their bags earlier, he asked if he could search them as he was suspicious of what they may contain. By this time, it was about 1pm, and so when they refused to let him look in their bags, he refused to let them back on the coach and left the women at the service station. Yeah, it's very much like, if you're not going to let me, your stuff can't come on. Yeah, and that is suspicious behaviour. Yeah, and it's 1pm, they're only an hour into the journey, but they're an hour and a half into the time, because they got on at 11.30. He's got, like, other people on the coach to worry about. Yeah. So... He left them there, but to his credit, he did inform the manager of the services. When the manager of the services encountered the women, she also felt something was off by their demeanour and behaviour, and the fact that the two were still tightly gripping onto their bags. And so the manager called the police. The officers arrived and spoke to Sabina and Ursula, but stated that they were harmless and left, leaving the twins to their own devices. So now they're stranded at a motorway service station, no bus stops, no coach stops, no trains. We've all been to a service station. 
I mean, they're mm. called rest stops in America, but if you, in, in case they're different in other countries, I can't imagine them being, but you know, it's that place in the middle of nowhere where there's in between yeah. destinations. So you, there's nothing like a high street. There's no cab office, yeah, etc. I have been to a rest, a rest stop in America before. I did a school trip where we drove from New York to Washington. All right, Jesus, that school trip is a bit fancy. (laughs) (laughs) We stopped at a rest stop and they are very similar to like... So everyone's going to understand like... Yeah, literally middle of nowhere. Like you can't just get on a bus, get on a train. Yeah, you can't walk anywhere. So to me and probably to you, the most logical thing to do is get a taxi to a train station or to like the nearest town yeah, and figure out something from there. And I mean, there are plenty of times I don't have money for this, but I feel like money can be figured out. But Sabina and Ursula weren't thinking very logically at this time. And so the twins decided to set off on foot down the M6 motorway, down the central reservation on the M6 motorway, no less with cars travelling around 70 miles per hour either side. And let's be honest, people drive faster than that on motorways too. Especially if you're in the central reservation, you're literally just yeah. the fast lane. People in there are normally going about 80, 90. If not more, like, they shouldn't, but they more, do. Yeah. And for anyone yeah. listening who uses kilometres, 70 miles per hour is just over 110 kilometres per hour. So that's 112 kilometres, actually, uh, if that gives them mm. a bit of an idea. The departure from the services was caught on CCTV. The women were spotted on the motorway cameras at around 3.20pm and with their presence causing a danger to themselves and to drivers, traffic officers were soon on their way. Drivers had also been ringing to inform authorities that there were people on the road, or should I say passengers in the car, because you don't drive from Jersey Mabel. No, don't be naughty. As the traffic officers approached, ready to set up a roadblock further down so as to stop the flow of traffic and get the pedestrians off of the motorway and out of danger, the women suddenly decided to try and cross the fast-moving lanes of traffic and Sabina was knocked down by a car. Thankfully, she quickly got back up and seemed all right. And I assume people were just, like, travelling a bit slower because they knew there were people on the motorway. And Yeah, there's no Yeah, if it's signs, a smart motorway, they'll have signs that say, yeah. like, that change the speed limit and say pedestrian like yeah or, yeah pedestrian roads yeah however the traffic officers quickly realized that they needed backup and called for officers from the central motorway police group to attend these are officers whose focus is to stop crime on roads and they're based in the west midlands traffic officers had also called an ambulance to check sabina over properly now as luck in inverted commas would have it mm. the cmpg officers the central motorway police group sent out that day were being followed by a camera crew who were filming a reality show called Motorway Cops. And so what happened next was captured and released for us all to watch. Oh, yeah. Um, so you can watch what happened on YouTube as this... E- I yeah. think I might. And this episode <laughs> ended up airing and obviously someone's clipped it. And I really recommend mm. that you do watch it because it's bizarre to see. However, if you look it up, don't make the mistake I made, and I'm so mad at myself. The first video that comes up when you just type in like the Ericsson twins was uploaded by a disgusting person with the name of Nazi UAF, which I'm pretty sure to, yeah, is something flag. to do with the Aryan front. I only realised yeah. this later on. I'm going to describe what happens in the footage now, So, but I, I do think there's nothing like watching this for yourself. So as the motorway police approach, you can see Sabina in a red coat and hat 
and she looks completely fine. She stood up and she's walking around as if she's not just been hit by a car and everything appears calm. The two police officers from the CMPG are greeted by a traffic officer who explains everything I just did, that they tried to cross the central reservation and started crossing before they could set up a roadblock, etc, etc. And you can see in the background another officer stood with Sabina and Ursula and Ursula's wearing green. Then suddenly, out of nowhere, Ursula darts past the traffic officer she stood with, they're all stood on the hard shoulder, and into the traffic once more. The officer attempts to grab her but only catches her coat and she manages to wriggle out of it. Ursula then carries on running into the road and is hit and knocked down by the large wheels of a lorry, a heavy goods vehicle to be exact. Sabina then follows her sister and she too is struck by a car, causing her to be thrown in the air before landing on the silver sedan's windshield and bonnet and landing on the floor unconscious. The male motorway officer can be heard radioing for senior police backup, stating that they have possible fatalities now at the scene. And of course, again, I think this, a woman, she literally goes underneath the lorry's wheels um, oh and you God. see something go flying, like a piece of clothing. And then so that's Ursula. And then Sabina runs and you see her get thrown up onto the car. Oh, I, you see her get thrown up in the air, onto the car and onto the floor. Like it is insane. Officers stop the traffic and along with passers-by rush to the aid of Sabina and Ursula whilst they wait for the air ambulance to arrive. We can then see Ursula lying in the third lane of the motorway with two officers and she's shouting, saying that she needs the police and a doctor. Officers are trying to calm her down and keep her still. They're telling her that they are the police and that she's hit her head and needs to stay calm. She's swearing at the officers and it's quite funny. At this point, the male officer looks to the camera and goes, she appears very disorientated and it's like, yeah. <laughs> no, no shit. <laughs> She's immobilised, kind of luckily, as both her legs have been crushed yeah. by the HGV. Oh Nothing God, graphic horrible. is in this, obviously. Okay. Meanwhile, the female officer and one of the traffic officers is with Sabina, who lost consciousness for 15 minutes, which is a significant amount of time. That is a long time. They show us the damage caused to the car by the impact of Sabina's body hitting it, and the car is completely wrecked. So the windscreen is smashed and where the windshield and the roof meet, the line at the top, that's dented inwards. Mm. So you can only imagine what harm this might have caused to Sabina herself. And as a bit of insight, as you know, and as other people listening to this know, I'm a nurse and I work in A&E and I work in a major trauma centre. So we get the air ambulance out to us and we have people coming via air ambulance from collisions such as this. And so immediately, if someone's been out for 15 minutes and had a head trauma, we're thinking of bleeds to the brain and skull fractures. And then we're not only thinking of broken bones elsewhere, but like lacerations to internal organs and perforations. Yeah. You know, things that could be bleeding internally. And if someone survives an impact like that, then we're expecting them to maybe be admitted to intensive care for treatment. And the police officer does say at one point, that they were ready to intubate Sabina at the roadside because really? she seems, was breathing yeah. but unconscious. But obviously they were expecting her to lose her airway at any point. Yeah, yeah. But miraculously, we watch as Sabina is not only conscious and speaking, swearing, but she then removes her mm. foil blanket and gets to her feet. The female officer then begins to try and keep Sabina within the area, telling her to stay still and attempting to hold her. 
but Sabina manages to push the officer to the ground. The policewoman says in her interview footage that Sabina had incredible strength, which is something that the officer has only experienced before with people who have been under the influence of drugs. So Sabina has now been hit twice mm-hmm. by a car. At least once badly. Yeah. So the first time we're unsure of how fast the car was going because that's before anyone was well, there. Well, there is footage of that, up. but she gets up straight away. Yeah. Okay. But still, I mean, I feel like even if you hit by a car going 30 miles an hour, you're going to feel yeah. it. <laughs> like somewhere. Like even if it's a bruise, you're going to be like, oh, that was I mean, sore. Like not only from being hit, but also I pulled a muscle falling. in my back yesterday sitting in the exact chair I'm sitting in now. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, she's like, okay, let's say it was a mild yeah. hit. So she got hit by, to be fair, my friend, when he was drunk, he got her hit by a car and then got up and ran off because adrenaline like, adrenaline kicked in. He ended up like having a broken ankle, but like he was yeah, fine. I've seen people at festivals he, and like playing rugby and stuff yeah. who have like broken limbs and they're like laughing because it's adrenaline and, and yeah. alcohol and drugs. So I came, yeah. So obviously that adrenaline has got her through. She's then purposely got hit by the mm. car again, a much been unconscious for 15 minutes, got up and then pushed a police officer yeah. to the ground. She's definitely on something. <laughs> I honestly, I don't think that ever gets cleared up I and mean, you'll see why, mm. but it's just insane. Okay, that's mad. And again, go and watch it. <laughs> As oh, yeah, yeah, we know yeah, what Jess is doing straight after this. <laughs> after pushing the officer to the ground, Sabina then jumps over the central reservation onto the opposite side of the motorway, once again into the path of oncoming traffic. Luckily, the officers managed to slow the cars in time and we then watch them run after Sabina, who continues to try and evade them from catching her. And here, the way she's moving, the best I can describe it is like, you know when you're playing it and as the person gets close to you, you sort of like dodge and bob and like weave. It's like that, but she's sort of quite confrontational with it. Sort of like almost if she's like squaring up for like a boxing match, but also trying to evade them, like bobbing and... It's really yeah. hard to describe on a podcast, but you'll see it. Yeah, no, I feel like I know what you mean. And she's in a sort of fighting stance, like I said. So at one point, she even takes her coat off in a way that's similar to what people do before a fight. Yeah, it's like, yeah. oh my shit. <laughs> All the while, she's shouting at officers who are trying to inform her that they're the police. Because she's still being like, I need the police. And they're like, we're the police. Calm down. Why are you running away from us? Luckily... A retired police officer happened to be driving past and he offered his assistance. And so himself and the two motorway officers grab Sabina and attempt to restrain her. Now, you'd think that three people against one slim woman would be enough, but it ends up taking four people to lift her up over the central reservation. And then another three or four people have to help to further restrain her as she begins shouting, kicking and spitting at the officers and members of the public who have stopped to help. And then the police officer says that it ended up taking six officers to restrain Sabina on the ground whilst they placed her in handcuffs. All the time, Sabina is still shouting, call the police. And while she's doing this, you can actually see the back of the police car with the word police on the back, which just adds another layer for me. (laughs) Clearly, Sabina is extremely disorientated and it's unclear if this is to the same level as earlier or if this is due to a head injury. The clip ends with the air ambulance arriving and Ursula was then transported to hospital by air with Sabina being taken by road in an ambulance. Once the women were away from the scene, the police began to inspect and clear the debris left behind. 
this was now a crime scene after all. Mm. I mean, they didn't really know what was going to go on with Sabina. And Ursula, they knew that her legs were crushed. And obviously that can be catastrophic. And regardless, it's going to be a crime scene. But they didn't know if this had turned into like a fatality. Due to the bizarre nature of the twins' actions and the unnatural strength Sabina had shown, many suspected that the pair could be on drugs. So their bags were left at the scene and searched. Inside the white duffel bag, they found multiple broken mobile phones, but no substances, illegal or otherwise. And nothing more was said about these phones, so no one's really sure what they're all about. Yeah. I'm assuming burner phones of some sort. Yeah, but no one knows why. Yeah. Meanwhile, Sabina was being checked over at hospital and miraculously was found to be fine. No broken bones, no internal bleeding, no injury to the head, no head trauma. How? Like, remember, this is a woman who dented a car and broke a windshield with the impact of her body after being thrown in the air, landing on the car and then onto the concrete ground. So that makes me think further that she was on drugs because she must have just gone completely limp. But then apparently there is... I was speaking to a doctor once about this on a night out, funnily enough. And I said about that and he said, oh, I was reading research papers the other day and there isn't any evidence to support that going limp helps. He didn't then show me the research papers. I've kind of taken his word for it. So that could have been a drunk man's words as well. (laughs) Fair. But also this like this kind of reminds me of when I lived in Aberystwyth in Wales and there was a woman who got done because after a funeral she got drunk and bit a car and dented it with her teeth. And it just reminds me of that. <laughs> in what world? <laughs> even if you even if you are smashed, do you go, Do you know what? I'm gonna fucking bite a car. <laughs> yeah, I know. And also, like, can you imagine how much your teeth must hurt the next day? Yeah, like, at what point do you think that's... Again, if I bite a chocolate bar that's a bit too refrigerated, (laughs) that hurts. A bit too refrigerated. (laughs) A hard bit of toffee could be the end of my teeth. Never mind a car and denting it. Anyway, throughout everything, by the way, meaning throughout the time on the motorway and in hospital, Sabina expressed no concern over her twin sister, Ursula, either. At hospital, she became calmer too. I mean, she was sedated at one point, so we would expect her to be calmer. But just five hours after arriving in A&E, Sabina was discharged into police custody, where she remained calm. And in fact, there's footage of her in the back of a police car, and she appears to be having a chat and joking around with the officers. Whilst being processed at the station, she remarked to a police officer, and again, there's footage of this, We say always in Sweden that an accident rarely comes alone. Usually at least one more follows, perhaps two. I mean, I suppose we sort of have a similar saying in the UK, like... um, You say that things come in threes, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, bad Mm. things come in three. But it would be weird to bring it up while she'll be in process by the police, I feel. Yeah. But, you know, she did. On May 19th, 2008, Sabina appeared in court, where she pled guilty to the charges against her, which were assaulting a police officer and trespassing on a motorway. She was sentenced to 24 hours in police custody. Now, this seems pretty lenient to me. Like, most times, if you punch or, like, shove a police officer, you're going to get more than that. Yeah. Unless you're drunk, I think they sometimes... It depends, doesn't it? But I think they took into account the factors surrounding her actions. So, like, the police report that she filed the previous day stating that she was fleeing from her husband and worried about her children. Like, she's got other stressors going on. 
Then, okay, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Then being stranded at services in a foreign country is pretty distressing, yeah. especially when your country of residence isn't actually your native country anyway. Yeah. And the native language isn't your first language. And then, of course, the fact that she had been hit by a car and was likely in shock, having also just Twice. seen her twin sister yeah, be hit by HGV. So I think that's why they gave her a small sentence. They sort of let her off a bit. There were a lot of factors that could have caused Sabina to act how she did. As Sabina had already spent the night in jail, the judge deemed that she had served her time, and so with her demeanour now calm, she was released from police custody. Oh, but our story isn't over yet. Oh, do you know what? I had a feeling you were going to say that. Yeah, it would be a bit of a short case, wouldn't it? Yeah, a nice, like, 40-minute episode. Obviously, a lot of that has been us waffling, but... Of course. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we're, wagon. Not, we're not even into the nitty gritty of it yet really are we so Sabina was released from custody and just left to wander the streets of the town where she was which was Fenton in Stoke-on-Trent she decided to try and find the only person she knew nearby her sister Ursula who was still in hospital and so off she set on foot wearing Ursula's t-shirt and carrying her possessions in a carrier bag given to her by police just a few roads away on Christchurch Street at 7pm, Sabina bumped into two men who were on their way home from the pub and went over to pet their dog. Which, I mean, me too. That's how, that's how yeah. you get me to go up to you. I was going to say, at the minute, everything sounds like relatively normal. Yeah. I'm just waiting I'm waiting for the... The other shoe to drop. Like the... <laughs> <laughs> the three struck up a friendly conversation and Sabina introduced herself to 54-year-old Glenn Hollinshead and his friend Peter Malloy. She asked them if they knew of any nearby hotels or bed and breakfasts, and Glenn Hollinshead took pity on the young woman, so invited her back to his house to stay, which happened to be about a ten-minute walk away. Sabina accepted his offer. Malloy wasn't so convinced by Sabina, and later stated that she had come across as behaving nervously. However, Glenn was caring by nature, as he was a fully qualified paramedic. Plus a self-employed welder and a former Royal Air Force's airman. He could take care of himself. They were some qualifications. I know, right? And therefore... <laughs> you have the time. I know. And therefore, it didn't seem as though this nervous woman would be much of a threat to him. Mm. So yeah, I think he's looking at this woman being like, ah, oh, she's down on her luck. She needs somewhere to stay. She's literally yeah. got her belongings in a plastic bag. Yeah, she's not doing so well. I-, I can take care of myself. What's the worst that can happen? Yeah, fair enough. As the trio, or quartet, if you'd like to include the dog, which I do, yeah, walked back yeah, walked back to Glenn's home just under a mile away, Sabina began to relax and tell both men how she was trying to find the hospital where her twin sister was admitted. When they reached the house on Duke Street, Sabina, Glenn and Peter sat down to have drinks and talk some more. But soon Sabina's weird behaviour would start yet again. She began continuously standing up from her seat and looking nervously out the window in every direction. Peter deduced from this that she had escaped from an abusive partner, which I guess isn't such a stretch. Like, if you meet a woman on the street who doesn't have much with her, doesn't know where she is and needs to find a place to stay, Mm. I think, sadly, you kind of come to that conclusion. However, her behaviour only escalated from there, with Sabina offering Peter and Glenn cigarettes only to then quickly snatch them from their mouths again, claiming that they were poisoned. Now, obviously, to you and me, if we invited a woman into our home and she began acting like this, as much as I'd want to help her, I think I would end up rather paying for her to stay somewhere 
or like just calling hospitals and like trying to find a sister and like take her there and be like bae yeah like, just be like this woman's not okay it would she make me needs... feel unsafe yeah yeah especially in your own home yeah yeah but i'm guessing also, the fact hmm? cigarettes are poisonous anyway so, um, <laughs> she was right about that yeah. <laughs> don't but, smoke kids <laughs> but i'm guessing the fact that they were men that glenn in particular was former raf plus a paramedic he was likely used to people behaving erratically and we've had training on how to de-escalate situations and subdue people if needed however i'm looking at this and thinking no way is this woman staying in my house like yeah, i to be honest with you i wouldn't have invited her in the first place like no. i do have the advantage of knowing what happens later on but you don't know what's but about to happen still. and you i mean yeah. you know something not good is going to happen yeah but yeah that this isn't to victim blame by the way i think glenn's intentions were good and kind-hearted and we do need yeah. more people like glenn in the world but i'm not one of them i would help no. her i would give her money i would give her directions i would even yeah i don't think i would invite her to my house i'd even walk her there i just yeah don't think i'd invite her in but that's... yeah fair enough anyway the three ended up hanging out at glenn's house until peter said his goodbyes just before midnight at 11:40 p.m Sabina and Glenn presumably then went to bed separately soon after. The next day, Tuesday the 20th of May 2008, Glenn called his brother Paul at around midday to inform him of Sabina and ask him if he knows of her sister Ursula. You see, Paul worked at the University Hospital of North Staffordshire. While Sabina and Glenn were waiting around for news, they went about their day in Glenn's house. At 7.40pm, Glenn went to make a cup of tea for the two of them and he realised that he was out of tea bags. He decided to ask a neighbour if he could borrow some, and so he ventured out the front door, where he saw his neighbour Frank Booth, who was busy washing his minibus. Frank told Glenn that he'd be happy to give him some tea bags, but to wait until he's finished washing his car. Glenn agreed, and went back inside to wait for Frank to knock. But just over a minute later, Glenn staggered back outside, heavily bleeding. He managed to get out the words, She stabbed me, before collapsing to the ground and dying from blood loss. Glenn Hollinshead had been stabbed four times with a kitchen knife by the woman he had taken pity on, Sabina Erickson. Apparently, his last words were, look after my dog for me. Oh, I know. Oh my God, he just sounds like the loveliest person in the world. I know, such like, a nice he's guy. he's taken pity on this poor woman and then in his dire moments, he thinks about his dog. I know. <laughs> poor guy. Frank dialed 999 as Sabina fled the house with a hammer in her hand. She was caught on CCTV running down the road, periodically hitting herself in the head with the hammer. This was also reported by paramedics who were on their way to Glen. At 7.49pm, they reported seeing a woman standing on an island between two carriageways, hitting herself on the head with a hammer. At around 8pm, a passing motorist named Joshua Grattage stopped his car to try and help Sabina by prying the hammer out of her hands. Whilst wrestling with Joshua, Sabina began to scream and pulled a roof tile out of her pocket, which she used to hit him over the head, causing him to be stunned temporarily. Paramedics on the way to Sabina, presumably alerted by other members of the public or even by the other ambulance crew, came into her view at this point, and so she took off running, with the paramedics chasing behind her. Sabina reached a bridge on a roundabout above the A50, which I'm just going to describe what it's like. So, you know, when you're on like a major road, um, it wasn't a motorway, but you know, when you're on a major road, like an A road, yeah, and you go off at a junction and you go uphill and you reach a roundabout that's sort of like an overpass, yeah. So then you've got 
the bridge yeah. that's around yeah, about. Yeah. That's what it was. There we go. Maybe I'm overcomplicating it, but that's... Yeah. Picture that. So Sabrina reached the bridge, at which point she jumped the 40-foot drop onto the A50. She broke both ankles and suffered a skull fracture as a result and was taken to hospital. 17 days later, on June 6th, 2008, Sabina Erickson was arrested while still an inpatient at the University Hospital of North Staffordshire. She was discharged from hospital on the 11th of September, 2008, at which point she was taken into custody and charged with the murder of Glenn Hollinshead. On September 2nd, 2009, Sabina stood trial in court and pled guilty to manslaughter with diminished responsibility. She didn't offer any reasons or excuses for her behaviour during the trial nor during police interviews. When extensively questioned by police, her only reply was no comment. Also, for some reason, no videos of Sabina and Ursula on the M6 motorway, neither CCTV nor TV camera crew footage, were used as evidence in the trial. Not sure why. Hmm. Seems like it would have been quite good context for yeah. the jury, but it, it wasn't used. And that would have definitely helped her argument that she yeah. was. Like, I honestly not, don't know why it wasn't used. Like maybe yeah. not the camera crew footage, I guess, but, but the CCTV, a, and, surely. Yeah, or like statements, witness reports. I mean, I guess they were used, but just not the footage. Yeah. Odd. Both prosecution and defence argued that Sabina hadn't been of sound mind at the time of killing Glenn Hollinshead. And I think that's quite rare that mm. both sides will actually agree that the defendant hadn't been of sound mind during yeah. the crime. However, both stated her to now be sane during her trial. Her defence claimed that Sabina Erickson was suffering from folia deux, which is French for madness for two. Now, folia deux is defined as a delusion or mental illness shared by two people in close association. It can be folia trois, folia quatre, okay. etc. And you yeah. can also get uh, folia famille, or however it is in French. So, yeah, you can get different types, but yeah. this is two people in close association. It's sometimes also called shared psychosis or shared delusional disorder. It's a psychiatric syndrome with symptoms of delusional belief and sometimes hallucinations, which are transmitted from one individual to another. And although it's not known what causes it, it's thought that the main contributing factors are stress and social isolation. Stress causes a person's adrenal gland to release a stress hormone, cortisol. This increases the brain's level of dopamine and so can be linked to the development of a mental illness. And then, of course, social isolation leads people to be dependent on one another and able to influence each other more easily. I mean, you get echo chambers, you get cults, etc. Yeah. You could kind of say that that's a sort of folia something. Is it common in twins? So there's not, it's not, folia dirt isn't actually recognised. Recent psychiatric classifications refer to the syndrome as shared psychotic disorder. Mm. And the disorder is not currently in the DSM, which the DSM is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. And it's the fifth edition, which is the 2013 update. So at the moment, folia dirt isn't technically in that. I, I was in 2013. We've come a long way since then, so it wouldn't surprise me if we they're drafting a new one. <laughs> you would think. Yeah. So it's not included in that. So I don't know if many twins are thought to have shared it. Mm. But we'll talk a little bit more yeah. now okay. about factors. Mm. Now, it's not known what triggered Sabina Erickson's folia dirt, which is the sort of accepted reason for this. Okay. I mean, even if you look up folia dirt and you go on the Wikipedia page, at the end it will say prominent cases, 
Oh, okay. And, and this, this is, is something one. that's listed. Yeah. But if that is what she was suffering with, her defence stated her to be a secondary sufferer to her sister Ursula, who was said to be the primary sufferer. Oh, okay. So Ursula transmitted it to Sabina. Okay. It's what they it's what they said they thought. It's what they argued. Yeah, yeah, they argued. The court was also told that Sabina had a rare psychiatric disorder which caused her to experience auditory hallucinations such as voices, but that she couldn't interpret what they said to her. Again, there's like they say rare psychiatric disorder, but they haven't named it. Yeah. Okay. So another theory was also brought forward that she was suffering from acute polymorphic delusional disorder, which I'm going to say is very similar to foliada because yeah. they're both delusional disorders. Yeah. Um, but just to go into a bit more what a delusional disorder is, the delusional disorder before, the shared delusional disorder I was talking about, so that's the delusional beliefs, mm. but in a delusional disorder in general, it's a mental illness where a person has delusions but no prominent accompanying hallucinations, thought disorder, mood disorder, or significant flattening effect. A flattening effect being when an individual has reduced emotional reactivity. Okay. So, one, Folia de states that they do have hallucinations. Okay, so it's... And a delusional yeah. belief, but a delusional disorder states that the patient, the person has delusions, but no hallucinations. Okay, is, and is that included in, like, hallucinations and, like, audible hallucinations? Yeah. Okay. So, it depends what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know that she was hallucinating, in my opinion. Okay. I think they both fit what happened, and you would be correct in saying folia de, and you'd be correct in saying a delusional disorder, uh, the polymorphic delusional yeah. disorder. But with Folia Dur, we have two people who are identical twins. So they share the same DNA. And obviously many people believe that twins share a bond. And there have been multiple studies done on that yeah. to see just how much they share. So whilst they weren't perhaps socially isolated, we don't know if they were. But they definitely weren't socially isolated together. One lived in yeah, America, one lived in Ireland. Yeah. But perhaps the fact that they share a bond means that this could be a precursor for Folia Dur. Yeah, maybe, maybe that meant they could be more susceptible to it as a as a pair i expect as well if you've got a twin even if you live on the other side of the world to them you're going to speak regularly yeah unless you do not get on yeah and that and let's be honest we most twins seem to yeah 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 I, I feel like they're probably going to speak to each other daily so they might have been isolated socially isolated individually but still communicating yeah. with each other Exactly. So, yeah. So, it could be folia de, but yeah. then it could also mean that they're both genetically predisposed to the same mental illness because they share the same yeah. DNA, in which case polymorphic delusional disorder fits. Mm. And as much as I think the idea of folia de is more interesting and it has been adopted as the main theory, I think it is a bit more likely that they have the same predisposition yeah. and they're quite dependent on one another. Yeah. So I don't think it's necessary that they both... I mean, I guess that could that is in itself folia de, but to me, I feel like they had the same predisposition to be mentally unwell, and then they both trust each other. It's a very weird one yeah. to try and unpick. It makes my brain yeah, hurt. Yeah, I think mental health is an, a whole other rabbit hole that you can dive down, and they yeah. clearly weren't well, whatever you label it as. Um, no, none of the decisions they made were logical. Yeah. But yeah, it's just hard put 
like putting a name to it because there's so many different things it could be and no one knows the full story no and this is the thing a lot of people think that hospitals do drug screening but we don't it's not a hospital job so like people will sometimes bring in uh, luckily i haven't had too many spiking cases personally that i've dealt with but i have had one or two and people will say oh could you do a blood test and find out what they were spiked with we don't do that the police do that so unless the police did a toxicology screening we aren't going to know if they were on drugs as well that might have influenced this i would like to think that the police would have done a toxicology screen but I also would have liked to think that the police wouldn't just leave this woman to fend for herself on the streets in a weird town. So it's... Yeah, what? Yeah. What Once again, do? I'm annoyed at the police. <laughs> yeah. Regardless of what you believe, Sabina Erickson's plea was accepted by the prosecution at Nottingham Crown Court on September 2nd, 2010, with Judge Justice Saunders stating that Sabina had a low level of culpability for her actions. She sentenced her to five years in prison to be served at Bronzefield Women's Prison in Ashford, Surrey. There she became a born-again Christian and was released in 2011, having already spent 439 days in custody before her sentencing. Peter Malloy, Glenn Hollins' head's friend, and the MP for Stoke South, Rob Flello, both called for an investigation into the way the criminal justice system handled the whole incident. Whilst Glenn's brother Gary criticised the whole justice system, which he viewed as enabling the murder, stating, We don't hold her responsible, the same as we wouldn't blame a rabid dog for biting someone. She is ill, and to a large degree, not responsible for her actions. But her mental disorder should have been recognised much earlier. I do question the criminal justice system for allowing somebody like this to be let out when she is capable of committing such a crime. Her mental condition should have been properly assessed after what she did on the motorway and the experiences the police had. Her mental disorder should have been picked up prior to her being let out into the community. And many have joined Gary in questioning why a psychiatric evaluation was not carried out prior to Sabina being released from custody after her bizarre behaviour on the M6 motorway. And I don't have the answers for this. I don't know why it wasn't carried out. I'm asking the same question. I completely agree with him. He's said it very, very well. Like, I mean, if very understanding. Yeah, yeah. I think that's definitely the sign of high emotional intelligence mm. and a, a great heart. Clearly, the whole family oh, I, seems yeah, amazing. That's, that's his brother saying it as well, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, clearly, like that good whole family. People. Yeah, to not blame her, but to be like, look, she clearly has a problem, mm. and actually, the blame lies in those who are there to protect us. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because I think that's her. at the end of the day. Yeah. I think a lot of people might start to get a bit like, you always blame the police, but the police have a duty to protect us. That is what their job is. Yeah. And unfortunately, every other individual on the street, whilst they perhaps do have a duty to like not be a piece of shit, no one has actually taken a plea or a pledge when they come into the world to say that they're yeah. not going to be a dickhead. I think it's and I don't the, think she is in this case, yeah. but I mean, like, I think it's in general. the cases we look at as well, it is like a step so many by failings. step of like building up to it escalating to murder and and i appreciate it's easy for us to sit here and be like armchair detectives and be like well they should have known because obviously we know yeah 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 but i just think in this incident if they'd just done a psychiatric evaluation then and there yeah maybe it would have come back clear like maybe she was flitting in and out of sanity yeah and i'm not saying that i've never messed up at my job 
and I have a great responsibility in my job as well. I'm never saying I haven't messed up. But I'm yeah. just lucky someone's not doing a podcast about it. <laughs> <laughs> but it is it's one of those things where you just think she'd already if they did a toxicology screen and they had established she was on drugs, I could see why they didn't do a psychiatric evaluation. Yeah. Because that could be, oh, we know why she was acting like that. Yeah, like she was on drugs. That's what that's why that happened. But in which case, there should also be steps to ensure that she doesn't take those drugs again. Yeah. There just should have been something done, I feel. Yeah, so, yeah they should have looked into why that happened, how that happened, yeah. and then made sure it didn't happen again. And I'm still just amazed that they knew this woman lived in Ireland, wasn't from Stoke-on-Trent. The only other person she knew in Stoke-on-Trent was in hospital. Yeah. With presumably at least broken legs. Oh, God, yeah. And she's not native British either. No. Not her first language. I'm I'm just a bit amazed that they were just like, yeah, off you go. Yeah. Like, I understand, again, that it's not their job to babysit adults, but surely there's a duty of care there to get her to a place of safety. Yeah, not just be like, there's the door. Bye. But then I suppose maybe, again, their duty of care ends when she's deemed okay to be released from custody. I don't know yeah, the ins and outs. You, it's yeah, it's, it's very easy to sit here and judge, I guess. But, but I guess... Same from discharging people from hospital, though. You're like, do you have someone to come pick you up? Like, you check. But we do let people leave. Yeah. I, I don't have the answers for why there wasn't no. a psychiatric evaluation done. I can only theorise that it's because she appeared to be calm again and that she took responsibility for her actions. You know, she pled guilty to assaulting a police officer mm. and trespassing. Plus, maybe the fact that the police believed that she was just acting like that because she was in shock. Yeah, maybe. I I honestly don't know. Yeah. And unless we speak to those individuals, we won't know. Ursula, by the way, was also released from hospital in September 2008. She went back to Sweden and then eventually back to her life in the US without any incident. Oh, okay. Overall, this case is just really bizarre. From their behaviour to the police's conduct to... The yeah. unanswered questions about the mobile phones were they on drugs why she left her husband everything is just like really what? unanswered yeah. and I'm would I'm gonna try and see um, if I can sit on this for a bit longer and maybe do a follow up at some point just because I, I literally could not find more in the time I had yeah there just seems to be so many unanswered also how did they claim that Ursula was the one causing Sabina's psychosis when she was cleared of everything and had no further episodes. I think I'm going to say here that is just Ursula wasn't just there to defend herself. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So they were literally just dragging this poor woman. I mean, we've seen it happen before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, what was in the other bag? I think it was just like mostly clothes and stuff, but then there were just loads of mobile phones. It wasn't like full of mobile phones. Okay. It wasn't only mobile phones. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I imagine. Literally a bag full of phones. Like, <laughs> No. Overall, this case is just bizarre. And I don't think there's another way to word it. Yeah. But ultimately, a human being lost their life, regardless mm. of where you place the blame. That human being was Glenn Hollinshead, a man who was, by all accounts, kind and caring. And I'll end on another quote from his brother Gary, where he says, He, Glenn wasn't slow in coming forward to help somebody in distress. 
It was in his nature. He was trying to help. He would help anybody. If he saw a fight in the street and a guy was losing, he would help. So, Jess, what's your takeaway on all that? I feel like there are so many loose ends. I feel yeah, like no. you're definitely going to have to do a follow-up to this. Yeah, like, I, I'm really even... sorry that I've not been able to, but, you know, I've yeah, had COVID. Okay. And... But it's quite, like, it doesn't even go into, like, the lead-up to why they decided to walk down the motorway. So like... I guess as well, the fact that Sabina didn't give anything away meant that they just couldn't. Like, they can't yeah. really... And, like, did Ursula say anything else more? Or was she just like, yeah, I just jumped in front of Laurie, got discharged from hospital, I'm absolutely fine now. Back home I go. Yeah, that's the thing. There's nothing to say it. And the only thing that we have got is that Sabina was like, no comment. Literally mental. It, it is. It's insane. That's Yeah, I'm definitely going to watch that video, though. Cause yeah. <laughs> how she got gets hit twice by a car and is absolutely fine. And then also, like, hits herself in the head with a hammer multiple times. Yeah. And is still Ouch. not, like... I mean, maybe that's, the where the, maybe that's where the skull fractures came from, though, I wonder. Because yeah, I was I thinking, think how did she... Because I'm thinking, when someone normally jumps from a bridge, they either get tib-fib fractures, so lower leg... leg yeah, bro- if I'm they just, land feet Obviously, first. you know what these bones are, but tib-fib, yeah. so, like, lower it's leg bones. Or you legs. get calcaneum fractures, which is your heel. Heel. And your pelvis sometimes. Pelvis shatters. Land, it shifts. Yeah, but like but you don't normally I, get a lot of upper body and face. And no, obviously stuff. if you jump head first, but then you don't tend to survive. Yeah, or if you jump like onto your side. Yeah, but then you hurt that whole side. Yeah, but the fact that she had ankle fractures makes me think that and she jumped. Yeah, jumped, landed, her ankles broke, which is cringy, and then she could have hit her head, but it could also be from the from the hammer. Yeah, yeah, that's as soon as you said ankle and skull fractures i thought here's how much of that is her hitting her head and how much i am of that is surprised that she didn't physically. get calcaneum fractures though she might have they might have just said ankle but yeah they probably meant just because like, that's that always seems so painful to me she did have to how? leave hospital in a wheelchair which makes me think calcaneum because ankle fractures yeah. sometimes you can wait better on but calcaneum yeah. no Cal- yeah <laughs> spot the ortho nerds over here <laughs> 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 what did you used to specialize in orthopedic nursing <laughs> what does Jess specialise in? Orthopaedic physio. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's that's the case I brought for you today, and I will try and get you an update. Um, probably the next true crime episode. Hopefully, I'll do a little update. And uh, where are we now? And just to say once again, we do need some more ghost stories. So please, yes, please. send them to us. The email is at the end of the episode. Nothing is too small. Nothing is too insignificant and nothing's not scary enough we love a friendly ghost who doesn't love casper also if you're like oh it's a bit long i don't care yeah it could be a whole episode also i really fancied actual boy casper as a kid (laughs) fair so who doesn't love casper friendly ghost great if it's more like the uncles great yeah also the people who were like oh yeah this is one of my stories i'm like okay i don't just want one i want all of your stories we want them all we're greedy wait we are so greedy please sir can i have (laughs) some more (laughs) i always think that whenever people email they're like oh yeah and this is just oh i've got i've had so many encounters but this is the worst i'm like i don't care i want them all (laughs) and on that note thank you for listening and stay Stay spooky. spooky 
Hey guys, if you have a ghost story or a case suggestion, please email us truecrimecobinpod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at truecrimecoven or on Instagram and Facebook where we are at truecrimecovenpod. Also, it would mean the absolute world to us if you could rate us wherever you're listening to this right now, be it Spotify, Apple Music, or if you're on YouTube, give us a little thumbs up, click that bell, get notifications yeah. every time we post. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts from. Make these two witches smile. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, witches.